Welcome to In-Depth, an in-depth look at the interesting, educational, and timely topics affecting you right here in South Central Iowa and beyond. The one to count on for today's local news coverage is KNIA and KRLS. Now with today's In-Depth, here's Dr. Bob Leonard. How does the way we use the land shape our lives and our future? Let's go in-depth with Neil Hamilton, professor, former director of the Agricultural Law Center at Drake University, and author of The Land Remains, A Midwestern Perspective on Our Past and Future. So, Neil, where are you from? Well, I grew up in uh, Adams County. I went to high school in Lenox, Iowa, down southwest Iowa. On a farm. Yeah, on a farm, yes. Uh, on a farm. Uh, been in our family since 1870s, uh, when uh, my ancestors blew into that part of the state. And so, how do you think growing up on a farm influenced the rest of your life, ultimately ending up in, in law? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, clearly, you know, growing up on a farm left me with any number of kind of experiences and insights, understanding to how farming works, to how farm people think, uh, rural culture, right, the people I grew up with, and also the time, right, in the 60s and 70s, and it was in part this uh, time of uh, a f- continuing great transition, really, in how we structured agriculture. And so, uh, you know, my parents' plan had never been for my brother and I to come back and stay on the farm. Uh, they had wanted us to go on to college and do other things. And so I wasn't as embedded in the farm, right, as some of my, you know, friends and, and classmates in the sense that, oh, my gosh, you're out there doing everything. I worked in the field some, but had a little bit more maybe of a remove from thinking agriculture was going to be my future. And uh, then you know, went to forestry school, and it was a time of the beginning of the environmental movement in the early 70s. And then, ironically, had kind of come back to agriculture by the time I got out of Iowa State and had worked for Congressman Harkin in his first term and had begun to focus on the whole idea of agricultural law. And uh, as I went into law school, that idea of marrying the law with agriculture and that's what I spent the next 40 some years of my life and so I certainly wouldn't have had that career I don't think if I wouldn't have been kind of conceived and grown up in an agricultural context more in depth after this Continued my conversation with Neil Hamilton, author of The Land Remains, a Midwestern perspective on our past and future. And you've got a new book, The Land Remains, a Midwestern perspective on our past and future. It's Ice Cube Press. And I read it. I loved it. It was <laughs> it was so much fun. And it was reading about oh the integration of the land, the environment, your background in forestry and in the law, and it's all integrated. And I realized as I was reading it is I felt like I really didn't know anything until I picked up your book. Well, that's that's kind of you to say. I, you know, I, I, I've had that comment from a number of people, how much they've learned uh, from it. 
and uh, and I think learned about subjects that people were aware of or familiar with. I mean, I guess you know, you grow up in Iowa, you come from the Midwest, you have this kind of you know you're approximate to agriculture and with the land, but I tried to you know certainly bring out some of the personalities and the stories and even some of the ways that the law has worked in ways that have shaped how we live on top of the land and then of course you use the voice of the land as well as one of the uh, features of the book yeah tell me about that you have the land speak which yeah, is interesting I, I use a, the back 40 on the farm that I grew up on is the narrator of a of portions of the book throughout it and it was a classic back 40. I mean, we had a 116 with a 40 off of the back end of it. And so it was essentially out in the middle of the section, um, you know, back where you know, nobody could really see it. It was the farthest field to get to. But it was also probably the best lying field. And it was just this beautiful flat piece of ground, kind of sits at the head of a watershed, coming off of each direction. And so I thought, you know, we really don't listen to the land as much as we should. And we certainly don't hear from the land. And so as I was writing this, you know, part of my thinking was, well, maybe I should try to kind of channel and tell this story in part through what the land's perspective might be, because it has had a much longer history. You know, it was there and saw the settlers come and saw the Mormons go by a few miles away and saw the French Icarians and their colony a few miles away and then saw all of my can live and die and the church get built and be torn down and the land change hands and be sold out of my family to our neighbor but yet the land remains you know it has this resilience and I think trying to give some voice to the land is also a way to help people think about that kind of permanency and resilience with the land and that it's going to remain after we're gone and what what kind of obligation do we owe to it that maybe we don't think as much about? You know, I quote Aldo Leopold a fair amount, and you know, one of Leopold's comments was, whenever people, whenever Americans talk about the land, they aren't really talking about the land, they're talking about the people on the land. Well, how about talking about the land, right? And that's certainly what he was getting at with the land ethic, where it was this idea that we're in some type of a community with it. Um, well, my favorite part of that, well, one of them, was I liked uh, the thoughts on fencing, you know, the artificiality of it. Yeah. Well, and just the whole, I, you know, we're proficient at laying down boundaries and borders, right? And all the maps and all the lines that we have. And as I tell the story, I mean, there were kids that lived a mile away that I hardly even knew because they didn't go to our school district, right? You know, mm -hmm. if the bus would have come another mile, another corner south, they would have been my friends and classmates. But instead, they went to school in Corning. I went to school in Lenox, right? And so went to school in Lenox. Mayo came from Prescott. County seat was Corning. You know, all these kind of jurisdictional boundaries, none of which have anything to do really with the land when you think about, you know, a, a Huck 12 watershed, right, or this whole idea. And, and the irony is, I think, you know, most people could probably draw a pretty good map of their township. Very few people in Iowa could draw a map of the watershed they're in, or have, they couldn't even tell you where the water went two miles after it left their property, necessarily, because, well, it ran through the neighbor, and then I went somewhere towards one of the rivers, but, you know, I'm not over there. And so just how we create those kind of jurisdictions and those, those boundaries, which were, I mean, important. I need to know where my 
fences, maybe where your property begins, but yet there are other uh, kind of geographical or geological boundaries that we don't necessarily think as much about. And maybe if we did a little bit more, if we thought about, well, gosh, when my water leaves here, you know, I, it goes down through those folks and it goes into that river and I'm the one that maybe is responsible for what's happening down there. But, uh, uh, you know, particularly when it comes to water, once it leaves, once it comes out of the tile line and goes across the road, it's pretty much out of sight, out of mind, and somebody else's problem. And we see that, you know, collectively across the whole state, I think, in our attitudes towards the water. More in-depth after this. I continued my conversation with Neil Hamilton, author of The Land Remains, a Midwestern perspective on our past and future. Well, authors tend, writers tend to like their own words, so <laughs> I'm going to say what I wrote for the book. And because, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about what I can say to say how much I loved it. But it saw, you know, I just wrote the stars aligned just right to tug a farm kid from the fields of Iowa to a degree in economics and forestry at ISU and through law school and a distinguished professorship in agricultural law. His hands-on experience with the land, nature, history, and the law come together in this highly readable and valuable work. It's ripe with wisdom and should be well-thumbed and in a highly visible place on every landowner and policymakers desk and it's like that integration of all those things agricultural law is impenetrable to me and I don't know anything about it probably because um, I never was exposed to much of it and haven't had to deal with it but you without the law and understanding the law and the land and the relationship to nature and our neighbors and you bring that all together in this book like few works have. Well, that's kind of you to say, and, and uh, I, I certainly, I, I second your uh, comment that it's a book that should be on everybody's shelves. I know your readers or your listeners uh, uh, here can find it uh, locally, and they can get it at uh, the Book Vault in Oskaloosa. They can find it at Page Turners in Indianola, and uh, Anywhere fine books are sold, I think that we're trying to market it. it. You know, as you know, as a writer, you live with this work, and like I should know, I started writing this over two years ago, and then you, you know, work it through that process, and then it goes away to the printer, the publisher, and then it's months, and now that it's finally here, and uh, it, it's it's rewarding, and I, I just hope, you know, people would ask, well, what's your main goal with it? It's to make people stop and think a little bit more and think about their relationship with the land and what it has meant to them, what it certainly meant to our state and our nation, and how if we were more thoughtful and we listened to it, then we might be a little bit more kind of sensitive in terms of our stewardship. And uh, the land will reward us if we do that. And certainly many of your listeners are landowners. And, uh, uh, you know, any of us that have had that privilege of owning land know that, you know, real emotional relationship you can have to it. And it's too easy sometimes to think that we can reduce the relationship to just economics. But it's about so much more than economics. And that... Um, 
you know, the the landowner writes uh, their face and legacy on the land as they deal with it. And unfortunately, you know, right now in our state, in a time of high commodity prices, uh, uh, you've got people out there with bulldozers knocking down that last grove of trees, and you know, we're trying to put every inch and acre that we can into production. And certainly, you can understand some of those motivations, but you know, it's important that we you know, that we leave those places for the critters and the wildlife and uh, the parts of uh, the environment that add so much to the richness and the diversity of our state. And, uh, you know, I, we can't necessarily measure progress in having put in one more cornfield. Well, I'm sitting here, and this isn't fair of me to say, but the legislature is still in session, and I'm pretty darn frustrated that they're sitting up there in session doing things that could well impact our land and the use of our land, and they haven't read your book. <laughs> well, I don't know that we'll uh, have time to get it in front of all of them, and I would hope that there's some of them uh, that would uh, read it. But even if they don't get it read this session, maybe more of them will have it read by next session. Mm-hmm. And uh, the... Uh, you know, there are certainly things afoot in the legislature that uh, can have a negative consequence on the land and on public land. If there's good news, it appears that some of the more uh, damaging ideas maybe aren't going to move this session. You never know until, uh, you know, people go home and, and the legislature adjourns. But, uh, you know, the voters of Iowa, over 62% of them a dozen years ago, you know, amended our Constitution and said we wanted to vote more of our resources, willing to tax ourselves to actually do more for the land, to help with conservation, water quality, and public lands, and trails, and, you know, stewardship on private land. And yet, you know, we haven't put a penny into the the Natural Resources Trust Fund yet. And uh, we're, we're pros at... making excuses, or as I think at one point I say in the book, where we become experts at kicking the can, right? And you hear that clanking sound as we kick cans further down the road. And, um, you know, one of the, you know, authors that I quote is another professor named Jedediah Purdy, who's written several books about the land. And he says, one of the things about the land is you can always lie about it uh, until you can't, right? Until it's too late. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that it's too late, but uh, we certainly tell ourselves a fair number of, if you don't want to call them lies, let's say they're myths that we've created, you know, about our relationship with the land and, uh, you know, the myths of, of soil conservation and how much progress we've made on soil conservation. Whereas, you know, we're losing so much soil this year as we were losing almost 30 years ago. And certainly that's the case if you factor out the CRP ground and, you know, you took out of the equation that significant reduction in soil loss. So there's a lot that we can do. And it, the thing about the land is, you know, it's owned by thousands and thousands of us, right? I mean, it's not like some thief comes in the middle of the night and does these things to us. These are decisions that are made around kitchen tables and you know, coffee shops and counters and 
pickup truck front seats in terms of the decisions as to what we plant or what we save or you know what we do with the land and uh, you know if the book helps more people become landowners or helps people who are landowners stop and think a little bit more about their relationship with the land then you know I'll uh, be happy with that Thanks to Neil Hamilton for contributing to the program. For KNIA KRLS News, this is Dr. Bob Leonard bringing you today's news and information in-depth from our little corner of the universe. An audio copy of today's in-depth program is available at KNIAKRLS.com on demand or for download. Just click podcasts. If you have topics or show ideas you'd like to hear in-depth, contact KNIAKRLS by sending an email to Bob Leonard at KNIAKRLS.com. The one to count on for today's local news and the number one news and information source in South Central Iowa is KNIAKRLS.